Hello again, this is Buck Benny speaking. Welcome to another episode of the Jack Benny Show from the 1948-1949 season. This is the culmination of the Echo arc that we've had since the beginning of the season. And it's just been featured enough in the episodes. It's been... uh, you know, they, lots of times they'll say an episode has an A line and a A storyline and a B storyline. Well, this is kind of a C storyline or something. It would just touch on the echo piece for for just a few lines in each episode. But this episode is going to feature it in a more uh, fully realized fashion. Uh, a great send-off to the whole echo concept, which I don't know if it worked that great. But it's not horrible or anything. It was just, it was just kind of there. It was an interesting, just kind of different idea. So uh, anyway, enjoy this last episode with the Echo, and uh, we're gearing up to uh, start switching over here pretty soon to Jack moving from NBC to CBS, and uh, going to be bringing in a lot of interesting uh, closed circuit shows that weren't meant for the public and things. What is Jack's? preparing to move from NBC to CBS, so that'll be fun here at, um, probably coming around in uh, December, so anyway, enjoy Jack's last few episodes on NBC uh, before he switches over to CBS, and uh, we shall see you next time. The Jack Benny Program, presented by America's largest selling cigarette, Lucky Strike. Lucky Strike, first again with tobacco men. Yes, first again with the men who really know tobacco. The independent buyers, auctioneers, and warehousemen. For a recent impartial survey shows that more of these independent tobacco experts smoke Lucky Strike regularly than the next two leading brands combined. So let this overwhelming smoking preference of the experts lead you to real deep-down smoking enjoyment. Just light up a Lucky. Puff by puff, you'll see. L-S-M-F-T. L-S-M-F-T. Lucky Strike means fine tobacco, and this fine Lucky Strike tobacco means a world of smoking enjoyment for you. Yes, puff by puff, pack by pack. You'll like Lucky Strike. The Lucky Strike program starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston, Phil Harris, Rochester, Dennis Day, and yours truly, Don Wilson. And now, ladies and gentlemen, let's go out to Jack Benny's home in Beverly Hills. It's morning, and Rochester is in the kitchen. Mmm, look what time it is. I better start getting Mr. Benny's breakfast ready. Now, let's see. I think I'll give him some ham and waffles. He's crazy about ham and waffles. Mmm, we're out of ham. And I had the last six waffles. <laughs> let's see, what else? Oh, I know. I'll fix him a plate of bacon and eggs with French fried potatoes. Uh-oh, can't do that. I had the eggs. Come to think of it, I had the bacon and potatoes, too. <laughs> well, I better take a look in the refrigerator again. I wish the boss would buy a refrigerator with electric light in it. This candle keeps melting the ice cubes. <laughs> Uh-oh, what's this in the corner? Well, the boss is lucky. 
Here's some orange juice, some pickled beets, and milk. I'll pour the milk over the beets. If he eats without his glasses, he'll think there's strawberries and cream. <laughs> well, breakfast is ready. I'll put it on this tray and take it up to him. Better take him the morning paper, too. My, my, Mr. Benny's still asleep. I better wake him up easy. I'll tickle his feet. Get the get but I can't seem to... Oh, it's Dewey. (laughs) Must be an old picture. He's smiling. (laughs) See, look at those electoral votes. Dewey carried New York, Pennsylvania, and Kansas. Thurman carried Alabama, Mississippi, and South Carolina. Mary Livingston carried the May Company. (laughs) (laughs) Say, I just woke up and I'm pretty sharp. Ain't I, Rochester? If you say so, sir. (laughs) What? Here's your bathrobe, Mr. Benning. Thanks, just throw it over my shoulder. Say, boss, you didn't even touch your breakfast. I know, Rochester, but I don't feel like eating anything. Especially strawberries and cream. I... (laughs) I had a... I had a terrible night. What's the matter? It's that echo. It's worse than ever now. I even hear it in my sleep. Boss, you must be imagining things. What do you mean, imagining things? I tell you, Rochester's there and I hear it. If I don't get rid of it soon, I'll go screwy. Screwy (laughs) only. Rochester. Rochester. I know, boss. You heard the echo again. Yeah, yeah. How'd you know? When you jumped in the air, your socks changed feet. Roger, stop kidding about things like that. Oh, Jack. Jack, where are you? See, Miss Livingston's here already. Well, I can rehearse in my bathrobe. Coming, Mary. Hello, Mary. Hello, Jack. Am I the first one here? Yeah. You don't mind if I rehearse in my robe, do you? No, but take off that derby. You look like a plumber's friend. (laughs) I'm sorry. And Jack... Before the gang gets here, how about give me the $10 you owe me on the election bet? The what? Oh, yes, the election bet. It slipped my mind. I meant to give it to you before. Oh, sure, sure. It slipped your mind. Come on, give me the $10. Okay. Here it is. Thanks. Well, that takes care of the Hoover election. Now, how about this one? <laughs> now, wait a minute, Mary. You can't hold me to that one. He wasn't even on the ballot. What was it, Miss Livingston? He bet that Fred Allen would carry the corn belt. 
Well, he should have. It's been carrying him for the last ten years. What a program Fred Allen's got. No jokes and double indemnity. (laughs) Oh, I don't know, Jack. I think that his program is great this year. Fred Allen is very funny. He is, eh? Yeah, he's improved a lot since my mother started writing for him. Oh, your mother... Your mother isn't with Bob Hope anymore, huh? Incidentally, Mary, I'm kind of excited. You know, I'm going to be a guest on Bob's program next Tuesday night. Bob's having you on his program? Why? Why? I'll tell you why Bob Hope came to me Looked me right in the eyes And said, Jack I want you on my show Because you're the greatest comedian in the world Bob said that He said, you're the most versatile The most talented The cleverest The wittiest The most sophisticated Subtle, suave And the way you put over a joke Proves that you're a master In the art of humor How much is he paying you? He said $5,000 But how can you believe A man that can lie like that? Oh, well, we'll come to some kind of an agreement. Yeah, he'll probably give you a bar of swan soap. I hope not. I'll have to break it in two and give my agent half. (laughs) Anyway, Mary, what's that? Open the door! Open the door! Let me in! They're after me! They're after me! What? Hurry, hurry! They're going to shoot! Oh, my goodness, it's Dennis. Dennis, what's the matter? April Fool. Why, you silly kid, this is no time of year to fool people. Truman did it. (laughs) Well, Dennis, don't ever do that again. Gosh, I was so scared, my hair stood up. Stood up? It jumped off and ran home to Max Factor. (laughs) Mary, this is no... There's no time for jokes. This kid frightened me so, my blood turned cold. Holy old There it goes again. Your hair? No, the echo. Oh, for heaven's sake. Well, Mary, it's serious. I tell you, it's making me a nervous wreck. You know, Mr. Benny, last year I used to hear voices all the time. I'd be in my room all alone, and I'd still hear those voices. You did, kid? Well, then you must know how I feel. Didn't it drive you nuts? Oh, no, I was nuts before that. That I can believe. Now, look, kid, before the rest of the gang get here for rehearsal, run over your song, will you? Okay. Oh, by the way, Mr. Benny, why are we rehearsing so early? Because I have a busy week. I also have to rehearse the Bob Hope program. I'm going to be on it Tuesday night. Bob Hope wants you on his program? Why? Why? Because he said that I'm the greatest comedian in the world. What's the matter? Is he crazy or something? <laughs> no, he's not crazy. He may lie a little, but he's okay. Now, go ahead and sing, will you?
Well, Dennis, that's well. That song will be all right. Oh, thanks, but I'm not going to sing it on the program. Why not? Because I'm not getting anywhere. What? I've been working for you for nine years, and I can't even afford to buy anything. Clothes, shoes, food, or anything. Now, wait a minute, Dennis. I'm not responsible for what you do with your money. What money? (laughs) What money? I've been giving you checks every week. What do you do with the money you get when you cash them? Oh, cash them. <laughs> hmm. Dennis, don't you know that when Jack gives you a check, you're supposed to... Leave him to... alone, Mary. He knows what he's doing. <laughs> well, I'll, uh... I'll get the scripts ready, and then... Well, that must be the boys now. It's about time. Come in. Well, hello, everybody. Hiya, Jackson. Dennis. Hello, Livy, you delectable Cupid <laughs> Well, if it isn't little old Phil Harris, the breath that made Milwaukee famous. <laughs> now look, Don, you too, Phil. Look, when I call a rehearsal for a certain time, I expect you to be here. Wait a minute, Jackson. What's your rush? Take it easy. Relax. You'll have a show Sunday. What? And suppose you do have a lousy one. Nobody's going to turn off the radio. I come on right after you. (laughs) Phil. You got better insurance than Fred Allen. (laughs) Phil. Phil. Pencil head. (laughs) It just so happens that I was on the air 15 years before you even had your own show. I know, and what happens? The minute I'm on my own, they invent television. They want to see me, too. (laughs) Television? Look, Dad, you better iron out those wrinkles if you want to stick around. What? Them blue eyes ain't going to do it alone. (laughs) Well, Phil, Phil, I'll admit one thing. You're a natural for television. The screen is square and your head will fit right in there. <laughs> How was that, Don? Don? Mary, where's Don? His girdle broke and he can't get out of the den. <laughs> well, Dennis. Dennis! Don's got me pinned in the corner. <laughs> well, come back here, both of you. Hmm. How we ever get a show put together, I'll never know. Now, look, kids, we came here to rehearse. Oh, for heaven's sake. Don, Don, will you answer the phone, please? Sure, Jack. Hello? Yes, this is Jack Benny's home. What? Oh, that's the final vote. All the precincts are in, huh? Every vote has been counted and it's official now? Good, good. I'll tell him. What is it, Don? Luckies are first again with tobacco men. <laughs> Oh, was it a close race? Oh, no, no. More independent tobacco experts smoke Lucky Strikes than the next two leading brands combined. Uh, excuse me, but who are these tobacco experts? <laughs> Mary, we've got to get... Well, here's what Colonel Throckmorton P. Day of oh. Gladiola Springs has to say. I've been smoking Lucky's for nigh on to 3,000 years. <laughs> 3,000 years. Stop being so dumb. Dum, 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 da-da-dum, dum, dum. dum, dum. <laughs> 
What's the matter with you guys anyway? You come over to rehearse, we can't even get started. Look, if I don't have a good show Sunday, I'll hear from my sponsor, Mr. Riggio. Riggio Lane? <laughs> there it is. There it is again. The echo. Now, you're all here in this room. I know you heard. I didn't hear nothing. Neither did I. Who heard anything? Kid. Kid, you're sure you're not, you're not ribbing me, are you? No, Jack. We just don't hear it. Well, I hear it. I got to do something. I even hear it in my sleep. Well, Jack, why don't you do like I asked you to? I've been asking you for three weeks to go to a psychiatrist. Yeah, I guess you're right, Mary. I'll have to go to some doctor. Well, I know a wonderful psychiatrist. Why don't you let me take you there? Okay, Mary, and the quicker the better. But what about the rehearsal? Oh, we can rehearse tonight. All right. We'll rehearse tonight, kid. Come on, Mary, let's go. What's the number of the doctor's office, Mary? 1107. It's right down the hall. This must be it here, room 1107. Yeah, look what it says on the door. Dr. Nelson, psychiatrist. Come in, lie down for a while. Let's go in. Just a second. Jack, stop trying to look shabby. The doctor has one price for everybody. <laughs> I'll have to pin my sleeve back on. Oh, well, let's go in. Yes? Uh, nurse, uh, I'd like to see Dr. Nelson. Very well, in just a few minutes. Uh, but first, I'll have to have some information about you. Well, my name... Oh, just a second, sir. I have to write this down. I want to get a pencil. There. Now, your name? Jack Denny. Occupation? A radio comedian. Are you currently employed? <laughs> yes. Yes, I am. And now for your financial status... Uh, what is your bank balance? Well... <laughs> you better get another pencil, nurse. Mary, please. We'll go on to the next question. How tall are you? 5'11". Your weight? Uh, 165. Your eyes? Well, they're blue, aren't they? Bluer than the lips of a schoolboy at 40 below. <laughs> Well, the, the doctor will be uh, ready for you in a few minutes. Have a seat. Right over there by that gentleman in the corner. His name is Mr. Skinner. Uh, oh, uh, by the way, nurse, that Mr. Skinner isn't a violent patient, is he? Oh, far from it. In fact, he's very gentle. Gentle? Yes. He thinks he's a rabbit. Hmm. Come on, Mary, let's sit down. Jack, what are you so mad about? A smart Alec nurse trying to kid me, a rabbit. Man, looks just as normal as I do. Oh, Jack, there isn't room for both of us to sit on the sofa. Yes, there is, Mary. I'll ask Mr. Skinner to move over. Uh, pardon me, sir. <laughs> What's up, Jack? <laughs> Gosh, you, you hear that, Mary? What's up, Doc? You really do think you're a rabbit, huh? Yeah, but Dr. Nelson has helped me a lot. He has? What is his treatment? Oh, he uses applied psychology. He tries to make me think I'm something else. Right now, he's trying to convince me I'm a pig. A pig? That's all, folks. Oh. Say, Mary. Yes, Jack? No, it's a shame this guy is crazy. He's almost as talented as Mel Blanc. <laughs> Say, bud. Yes, Mr. Skinner? I told you all about myself. Now, what are you here for? Oh, it's really nothing very serious. It's just something that bothers me. You see, uh, I'm a comedian. Oh, on a stage? No, radio. 
Radio Lane. There it goes again. Mary. Mary, you heard it that time, didn't you? No, Jack, I didn't hear a thing, and calm down. But there was an echo. Nurse, you heard it, didn't you, nurse? Well, no, I'm sorry. I did... Mr. Skinner? Mr. Skinner, where are you going? I'm getting out of here. This guy's nuts. <laughs> All the nerve. I got a good mind to go after him and punch him right in Jack, the Jack, control yourself. I won't control myself. I'm not going to let a silly rabbit call me nuts. <laughs> All right, Jack. Now sit down. Yes, doctor? Oh, very well, sir. I'll send in the next patient. It's Mr. Benny. What? No, it's Benny. Bunny just left. (laughs) Yes, sir. Uh, Go right in, Mr. Benny. Okay. You wait. You wait here for me, Mary. All right, Jack. And don't be nervous. Oh, uh, Mr. Benny. Yeah? Uh, the doctor may want to examine your head. Take off your derby. Thank you. <laughs> doctor. Doctor, I'm Jack Benny. How do you do? <laughs> mm-hmm. And now, what can I do for you? Well, doctor, I, I, seem to, I hear echoes that... That no one else seems to hear. Echoes? Uh, how long have you suffered from this delusion? Oh, for several weeks. Uh-huh. And tell me, how old are you, Mr. Benny? Thirty-nine. <laughs> Thirty-nine. How long have you suffered from that delusion? <laughs> it's no delusion. I'm only thirty-nine. And what kind of a psychiatrist are you anyway? Instead of a couch in here, you've got a double bed. Certainly. I like to lie down, too. <laughs> Oh. And now, Mr. Benny, uh, do you have any idea of when this echo first started bothering you? Yeah, you see, this summer, I was in Europe. I went to Switzerland, and I heard some Swiss yodlers, and ever since then, an echo has followed me. Very interesting. Now, does this echo repeat everything you say? Well, not everything. It, it usually happens on words that end in O. You mean words like, uh, folio? Yes, in fact, it happened once on that very word, folio. Folio lady. There it is. There it is, Doctor. You heard it, Doctor. There it is. You must have heard it. There's no echo, Mr. Benny. Now, calm down, and we'll get to the cause of your neurosis. Gee, I hope you can. Let's get started with the treatment. Uh, just a moment. I want to look in the next room and see how another one of my patients is getting along. One and one is two. Two and two is four. One and two is three. Three and three is six. Uh, who is that? Mr. Gallup. <laughs> Of the, uh, of the Gallup poll? Yes. Roper's still working on one and one. <laughs> and now, uh, back to you, Mr. Benny. Now, Mr. Benny, uh, lie down here and relax. Uh, thank you. Comfy? Yes. Yes. Are you? Yes. <laughs> Now we'll start with the color association test. Now, I'm going to name a color, and as quick as you can, you tell me exactly what comes into your mind. Ready? Yes. Black. White. Blue. Red. Orange. Yellow. Green. Money. 
Very interesting. Mr. Benny, you seem to have a certain fondness for money. Well, perhaps a little. It is... Ah. And tell me, when did you first notice your desire to hold on to money? When I was six months old, I swallowed a dime. <laughs> oh, and uh, when did they get it out? Oh, it's still in there. <laughs> Good heavens, man. Why didn't you have a doctor remove it? Well, how can you trust anyone when you're under ether? <laughs> Well, Mr. Benny, you've got to have confidence in... Uh, pardon me. Yes, nurse? Oh, Dr. Nelson, Mr. Skinner came back. Oh, uh, does he still imagine he's a rabbit? I think so. He just cut two holes in his hat for his ears. <laughs> well, uh, throw him a carrot and I'll see him later. And now let's see, where were we? Doctor, doc, please, about that echo. Oh, yes. Uh, Mr. Benny, I've come to the conclusion that what you're suffering from is nothing more than a somatic hallucination induced by your psychotic neuroses and aggravated by self-induced inhibitions and subconscious phobias of the psychosomatic urges. And there's only one cure for it. What's that? A four-way cold tablet. <laughs> A cold tablet? Doctor, I'm all confused. Well, in simple language, Mr. Benny, when you first heard those yodelers in Switzerland, they created a great impression on you. And now, when you think you hear these echoes, it's nothing more than a thought desire to return to the scene of a happy experience. Oh. Well, well what do you think I ought to do about it? Well, stop working so hard. Take a vacation. Get away from Hollywood. But where can I go? Why don't you try Sun Valley? In Idaho? Idaho well, I've always wanted to go there. Just and... a minute, Mr. Benny. Huh? Didn't you hear that echo? <laughs> no, no, there was no echo that time. That's funny. I could have sworn I heard one. Oh, no, no. You see, it couldn't happen on a word like Idaho. It usually happens on words like I told you before. You know, like folio. Folio? Holy, holy. There it goes again. There it goes again. You heard it that time, didn't you, Mr. Benny? Didn't you? Didn't you? No, no, no. I didn't hear anything. But you must have. You must have. <laughs> Calm down, Mr. Nelson. There's no echo now. As you explained, it was just a figment of my imagination. Then why am I hearing it? I don't give a hoot about Switzerland. <laughs> well, thanks for helping me, Doctor. I feel a lot better. But wait a minute. Wait a minute. Don't leave me now. Don't go. Don't go. Don't go, Holy, holy. Get out of here. Oh, there's Mary sitting in the corner. Mary, Mary, I'm all cured. And it was the simplest thing in the world. The doctor talked to me for a few minutes and then I. Mary, what's the matter? Mary. Yeah. What's up, Doc? Oh, why did I let you stay here with Mr. Come on, Mary, stop switching your nose and let's go. Jack will be back in just a moment, but first... An impartial survey covering all the southern tobacco markets reveals this important fact. More independent tobacco experts smoke Lucky Strike regularly than the next two leading brands combined. Yes, Lucky Strike, first again with tobacco men. <laughs> 
Remember, these are the men who really know tobacco, the independent auctioneers, buyers, and warehousemen. That's why it's important for you to know that the overwhelming choice of these experts is Lucky Strike. You've heard the survey results. Now, here's what Mr. Sidney Curran, tobacco warehouseman, who sells on an average of eight and one-half million pounds of tobacco a season, recently said. At auction after auction, I've seen the makers of Lucky Strike buy fine tobacco that's got real smoking quality. Tobacco that smokes that mild, cool, and fragrant. I've smoked Lucky's 26 years. A Lucky Strike smoker for 26 years. And Mr. Curran, like you, looks to a cigarette for enjoyment. Real deep-down smoking enjoyment. So light up a Lucky yourself, and puff by puff, you'll see. L-S-M-F-T. L-S-M-F-T. Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. And naturally, fine tobacco means a really enjoyable smoke for you. That's why you'll like Lucky Strike. Ladies and gentlemen, stay tuned in for the Phil Harris Alice Faye Show, which follows immediately. And on Saturday night, be sure to hear a day in the life of Dennis Day. Well, Mary, I've got to go over and rehearse with Bob Hope now. Have you got a good part? I don't know. I've got the script here. Let's see. On page three, I say, Hello, Bob. And then he says, Oh, here on page six, I say, Well, if it isn't high ever back. And then Bob says, Oh, but on 12, uh, page 12... Oh, no, they cut that. Oh, well, I'll ad-lib something. Good night, folks. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Good health to all from Rexall. Yes, it's Sunday. Time for the Bill Harris Alice Fay Show. Presented by the makers of Rexall Drug Products, and your Rexall family druggist. Good evening. This is your Rexall family druggist, taking a little time from behind the prescription counter this Sunday evening to speak for all 10,000 of us. The 10,000 druggists who have added the word Rexall to our own store names. You can always tell us by the orange and blue Rexall sign in our windows. The sign means that we carry the 2,000 or more drug products made by the Rexall Drug Company. They range all the way from aspirin to penicillin. And they're as fine and pure and dependable as science can make them. We recommend them to our customers because we know you can depend on any drug product that bears the name Rexall. Good health to all from Rexall. Now your Rexall family druggist brings you the Phil Harris Alice Faye Show, written by Ray Singer and Dick Chevrolet, with Elliot Lewis, Walter Tetley, Robert North, Janine Roos, Ann Whitfield, Walter Scharf and his music, yours truly, Bill Foreman, and starring Alice Faye and Phil Harris. It's 
Friday, and time for Phil's weekly band rehearsal. William has borrowed Phil's car, and Alice has to drive Phil downtown. As we look in, Alice and Phil are approaching their garage. I don't know why you let Willie take my car anyway, Alice. The guy's always mooching something. It doesn't matter, Phil. I'm driving you down. That's what I'm talking about. I'm not too crazy about the way you handle a car. You ain't too careful, you know. Now, how can you say that? I drove you to rehearsal last week, and I did all right, didn't I? Yeah. You stayed right out in the middle of the street, and you were doing swell until you tried to squeeze between those two streetcars. <laughs> oh, that. That car was old anyway. And besides, you managed to sell the car after the accident. Only because I was lucky. I found a guy who wanted a tall, thin Chevrolet. <laughs> Exaggerating. Now get in the car or we'll be late for rehearsal. Well, get in. What are you waiting for? Don't rush. Don't shove. <laughs> Got to work up courage first. <laughs> Stepping into this thing is like taking a cruise in a leaky submarine. <laughs> the odds are against you. Well, look, I'm a good driver and you have nothing to worry about. Now get in. Okay, okay. I know what I'm doing every minute. Now, be quiet. Eeny, meeny, miny, moe. What are you doing now? <laughs> That's the only way I could tell which one of these pedals is the clutch. <laughs> it's the left one, the one I tied the ribbon on for you. <laughs> Please, Alice, will you get started? <laughs> I didn't do so badly, did I, Phil? That was a nice, smooth ride, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Look, tell me something, Alice. Did you drive a tank during the war? <laughs> Over the way, Faye. <laughs> the greatest ride on earth. Come inside, everybody. <laughs> hurry, hurry. Look, don't ever let that brother of yours have my car again. Why doesn't Willie go back to New York anyway? He's always doing something. Now, stop something. picking on Willie. Here's the studio. Let's go in. Hi, fellas. Hi, fellas. Your maestro's here. Hold it. Hold it. Hold it with a holler. Hold it. Hold it, will you, lady, please? Stop that. <laughs> Keep out of that, lady. <laughs> Must be some way I can get rid of this harpist. Miss, will you please... Will you please keep that Irish piano quiet? I don't want to hear Wait another... Wait a minute, Phil. Don't you yell at Barbara. It ain't polite to yell. Look, Artie, don't tell me not... Barbara? Oh. So it's Barbara now. Yeah. Us guys in a band like her. It's nice having a culture tomato around. Now, look, will you sit down? Go back and sit down. Now, look, we're doing... That's what I like about the South next Sunday, so let's run it over. Barbara wrote a new arrangement for that. You want to hear it? No, I don't want to hear it. Now, go back and sit down. We're going to do it the way I always do it. Okay, fellas. One, two... Won't 
Won't you come with me to Alabama? Won't you? Won't you come? Won't you come? Alabama? Hold on! Hold! No! No! Cut that out! No! Lady! Lady! Lady, please! <laughs> Madam, you're driving me nuts. <laughs> And when I'm talking to you, get out from behind that harp. You look like you're in for 30 days. <laughs> what the heck was that? Barbara's arrangement. Barbara, oh, that does it. That, that's all. Lady, I want you to take that spaghetti stretcher and get out of here. Now, don't stand there. Go, go, go. Mr. Harris. <laughs> She talks. Mr. Harris, for five weeks I have restrained myself in what I believe is an admirable fashion. I've tolerated your crude, tyrannical outbursts as long as I possibly can. <laughs> However, one more of your vulgar, hysterical tirades and I shall be obliged to kick you right in the teeth. <laughs> You only dare say that because you're taller than I am. <laughs> Look, lady, you know you were signed up by mistake. You agreed to release me from my contract. Why don't you be a nice girl and do it? Because your business manager, Mr. Fay, refused to allow me to go. Mr. Fay persuaded me to stay with an increase in salary. Fabulous Willie, huh? <laughs> one of these days I'm going to get mad and break every one of his tiddlywinks. <laughs> Why doesn't he stick to his bookkeeping? No, 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 don't, don't get excited, Phil. Willie's coming over to the house this afternoon and I'll talk to him. I'll run along now and, and I'll see you back at the house. Goodbye, boys. Goodbye, Alice. So long, Alice. <laughs> Something's got to be done about that Willie. I don't... Now, look, you guys, we got a rehearsal to do, and I want you all to... Fellas, stop crowding around Barbara's harp and get back to your seat. <laughs> I ain't gonna have no dame erupting my organization. Hi, Curly. And furthermore, I want to tell you all that I'm not... Well, Mr. Remley has arrived. <laughs> Only an hour late, but he's here. Yeah. I appreciate your thoughtfulness, Mr. Remley, in showing up at all. Oh, that's all right, Curly. Anytime I can do anything... <laughs> you better keep quiet. That's what you better do. You hold up a whole rehearsal, cost me a lot of money, inconvenience the guys, and you don't even give an excuse. What happened? I came in late. <laughs> I know you came in late, but why did you come in late? Why? Because I didn't get here in time. <laughs> Sometimes you ask the silliest questions, Curly. Look, Remley, I'm sick and tired of you coming in late for rehearsals, and I'm not going to stand for it. What are you hiding behind your back? What do you got in your hand? Present. <laughs> oh. Trying to get on the good side of me, huh? What do you got, Frankie? A pipe? Uh huh? Shirt? Uh-uh. Keychain? Uh, 
Well, what do you got? Delphiniums. <laughs> oh, candy, huh? <laughs> These are flowers. Flowers for me? Oh, gee, Frankie. Oh, flowers. Nobody's brought me flowers since Alice took me out on our first date. <laughs> Why'd you bring flowers? Because Barbara likes them. <laughs> They're for her. Oh, no, no, Remley, not you. Not, look, you, I, what? I'm going to talk to you later. Now, go sit down. I've got to go over my number. <laughs> Bill Jackson was a poor old dub who joined the Dark Town Poker Club and cursed the day he told him he would join. Oh, that funny used to go like it at wings. If he held queen, someone at kings, and each night he would contribute all that cost. And he said, I'm going to play him tight tonight to be no bobtail flushes make me bite. He said, when I get in this in my hands, I'll be a peach. So he played him tight and lost his pile, and Bill got peevish after a while, so he rose, looked all around, and made this speech. Y'all see this brand new razor that I had sharpened just today. Now I'm coming in with my rules that I want you to follow when you play, boy. Keep your hands up on the table while you're dealing, please. Don't be slipping the maces down there in between your knees. Don't be making them signs like you're trying to tip off your hand just talking American, boy. American, so's I can understand. And don't be getting them off the bottom because, ooh, that's rough. Take five, five, then stop. That's enough. Now, when you put the bet up the reds and blues, I don't like it when you're shy. Then if you get busted, go get something. I'm going to be here by and by. Pass them pasteboards and let me shuffle every time before you deal. Anything goes wrong, I want to see. I mean, uh, you ain't going to just keep playing that game according to Mr. Hoyley. You're going to play this game according to me. <laughs> Sitting right there in that there clan, they chanced to be a one-eyed man, and Bill kept on watching him out of the corner of his eye. So one eye would deal, and then would cost that Bill another five or ten. Bill got up again, looked all around him with a sigh. He said, loud, it's an awful shame. He said, someone's cheating in this year game. He said, Coach, uh, it ain't going to do me to name the guy. So I refrained from mentioning the party's name. If I catch him cheating just once again, I'm going to take this fist and close that other eye. Now, do you see this brand new razor? I had it sharpened just today. I'm coming in with my rules that you must follow when you play egghead. Keep your bony hands up there while you're giving them out, please. Don't be slipping them wildlies down there in between your knees. Don't be making them funny signs because you're still trying to tip off your hand. You better talk in American big A-A-A so's I can understand. And stop getting them off the bottom. I'm trying to tell you it's rough. This is the Army game. Five, five, uh, halt. That's enough. Now, when you bet, put up the reds and blues. I don't like it when you're shy. Then if you run out of gas, go get pumped up. I'm going to be here by and by. Pass them pasteboards. Let me ripple every time before you deal. Anything goes wrong, I'd love to see. I keep telling you, you ain't going to play the game now, according to that Mr. Hoyley. You won't play this game, according to me. Now, Henry, if you'll break the seal on that new deck of bicycles, we'll get on from here. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> How'd that sound, Frankie? Your vibrato was a little strained. (laughs) 
bothering you anyway? What's bothering me? Willie's bothering me. What's always bothering me? Willie, Willie, Willie. The guy's doing all... He's doing everything he can to make my life miserable. I never want to see him again. Frankie, do me a favor. Give me an idea. How can I get rid of Willie permanently? Get rid of him permanently? That's right. Curly, it's not nice to have thoughts like that. Besides, Willie's all right. He never tries to hurt anybody. Oh, no? I got news for you, kid. For two months, he's been after Alice to get you off the show. Get me off? That's right, you off. How about dipping him in cement and dropping him in the river? Right. I didn't mean to dip him in cement or anything that it's... How many bags would we need? We could take him down and... Nah, Frankie, don't get gruesome. You can't blame me when a guy's trying to do me out of my job I Ain't nobody gonna do you out of a job with me I need you on this show Don't worry about it In fact, in this coming Sunday script You've got most of the comedy lines You'll be the funniest one on the show this week This week, he said <laughs> You know, Curly, you're the star of this show But it must burn you up on Sunday when I get all the laughs Yeah <laughs> But the fire's put out on Monday when I get all the money. <laughs> Look, Frankie, I want you to know one thing. Just because I'm nice to you, don't think oh, that you can... Oh, where you are, Mr. Harris? Uh, uh, here comes Mr. Stevens. Who's he? He's the sponsor's representative. Now, be nice to him. All right, I'll be nice to him. Just because he's the sponsor's representative. I've got to cater to him. I'm glad to see you're still here. Oh, how do you do, Mr. Stevenson? I'm glad to see you. Look, uh, Mr. Stevenson, this is uh, Mr. Remley. Well, how do you do, Mr. Remley? Good health to all from Rexall. <laughs> Being nice enough? Don't Curly. overdo it. <laughs> uh, what's on your mind, Mr. Stevenson? Well, I just dropped by with the commercials for this Sunday's show. Oh, goody. <laughs> Yum, yum. We were afraid we weren't going to get them. Uh, they're, uh, they're a little longer than usual, Mr. Harris. I hope you can get all the commercial in. Don't plan on it. <laughs> what was that? Uh, well, you see, I'm going to have most of the comedy lines in next Sunday's show, and I'll get a lot of laughs, so we may not have time for the commercial at all. That is ridiculous, Mr. Remley. What is a radio program without a commercial? Let's try it and see. Why? <laughs> Will you keep quiet? This man is from the checks every week, the cow that makes with the moo. Mm. Now, quiet. Of course, uh, certainly, we're going to have the commercials, Mr. Stevenson. Okay, we'll try it. I think you'll find the commercials exceptionally interesting this week. I hope so. What are you going to talk about? Rexall. Again? <laughs> you did that last week. The week before. What's the matter with you guys? You got a one-track mind? Rem! <laughs> Mr. Harris, you don't mind doing our commercials, do you? Mr. Stevenson. <laughs> Perish the thought. <laughs> I listen to him every week, and I know him by heart. I know you can depend on any product that bears the name Rexall. There are over 10,000 independent Rexall drugstores, and you can recognize a Rexall store just like that by their famous pink and purple sign. <laughs> Mr. Harris, 
the colors of the Rexall sign are orange and blue. Well, stupid old me. <laughs> orange and blue? Oh, beautiful color scheme, isn't it, Frankie? I like pink and purple. Quiet. <laughs> I'm sorry I forgot the colors, Mr. Stevenson, but I promise you that it'll never happen again. Well, I hope not. Oh, it won't. And to make sure, I'm going home and dye my kids one orange and one blue. <laughs> Think he'd do it, too. Well, thank you for your cooperation, Mr. Harris. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to run along. Oh, wait a minute, Mr. Stevenson. Why don't you stick around and then you come home to dinner with me? Well, thanks, but I'm too busy. You see, I'm looking for a man to head the bookkeeping department in our Canadian store in Vancouver. You wouldn't happen to know of a capable man, would you, Mr. Harris? No, I wouldn't know nothing about no case. Uh, bookkeeper? <laughs> Descent of Vancouver, Canada? 2,000 miles away? William! <laughs> you know somebody? Know somebody? Deed I do. <laughs> Deed I do. My brother-in-law, Mr. Fay. Oh, yes, I've met Mr. Fay. Yes, he seems like a very competent man. Does he have a good business head? Two of them. <laughs> one pink and one purple. <laughs> Mr. Stevenson, may I tell you that Willie's been handling Alice's money for years? I guarantee inside of six months, he'll have Rexall almost as rich as Alice. <laughs> well, why don't you send him over to see me this afternoon, Mr. Harris? He might be just the man I'm looking for. Good day. Goodbye. Hey, we're shipping Willie off to Canada. Yeah, what a wonderful way to get rid of somebody that's always getting in your hair. And... Hey, Mr. Stevenson. Yes? Can you use a tall, thin harp player up there, too? <laughs> Wait a minute, Shirley. Don't try to shanghai oh, Barbara. Right. Never mind, Miss Stevenson. Come on, Frankie. Let's go home and talk Willie into taking this Vancouver job. But remember, don't tell Alice where it is. Yeah. She'll know we're trying to get rid of him and queer the whole thing. Right. <laughs> Getting Willie off the Vancouver. Canada. Vancouver. <laughs> hey, look. What? Let's go home and be very nice to Willie. Remember, very nice. William, from now on, don't do or say anything to antagonize Phil. I'm merely trying to help him. Now, please, please. Please, please. When Phil comes home, do me one favor. Don't greet him the way you always do. That burns him up more than anything else. You mean I shouldn't say, Good morning, Philip. Good morning, William. Oh, oh Philip, I didn't hear you come in. Now, Phil, Phil, control yourself. Well, he wasn't saying that to you. He didn't mean to. I, I... Oh, hello, Frankie. Good morning, Alice. <laughs> and why shouldn't Willie say that to me? My day isn't complete until I've heard it. I'd give anything to hear it just once more. Good morning. Not you. <laughs> Alice, did you ever stop to realize? Did you ever just, just realize how lucky you are to have a brother like this? You think I'm lucky to... Phil Harris, have you been... Not a drop. <laughs> First time, I just realized how wrong I've been about Willie. You mean you like him? Like him? I think he's just ginger peachy. <laughs> Willie, sit down. I got something to tell you. Now, look, take my favorite chair over there. But, 
Philip, you always get angry uh, 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 I... Now, don't argue, Willie. Come with me. Come right over here and make yourself just as Philip, comfy. Philip, put me down. <laughs> what are you and Frankie up to, up to this time? That's gratitude. What are you up to? What are you up to? That's gratitude for you. After I go out of my way to get Willie a wonderful job with Rexall. Are you serious? Certainly I'm serious. All he's got to do is to go down and see Mr. Stevenson, sign up, and he's all set. Oh, Willie, isn't it wonderful? You've always wanted to work for them, and now it's come true. Oh, Willie, I'm so happy for you. Alice, put me down! (laughs) I wish you people wouldn't get so exuberant. Hey, Willie, stop all of that, and you'd better run downtown and see Mr. Stevenson right away. Oh, hurry up. Thank you, Philip. I'll go down right now. I'll return here and let you know as soon as I've talked to Mr. Stevenson. Phil, I don't know why you're doing this, but I think it's sweet of you, and I appreciate oh, it. Oh, it's nothing. No, no, just the same. You've made me very happy. You were meant for me. I was meant for you. Nature patterned you, and when she was done, you were all the sweet things rolled up in one. You're like a plain melody That never lets me free For I'm content The angels must have sent you And they meant you just for me Two hours. It must have the job by now. Yeah, just think in no time, little Willie will be 2,000 beautiful miles away. Oh. I hope he gets a job. If anything happened to keep... Philip, I'm back. Where are you? It's him. Hey, we're in here, Willie. Oh, Philip Franklin. Guess what? I got the job. Congratulations, Mr. Harris. Elementary, my dear Remley. <clears throat> I want to thank you for what you You haven't done. got time, Willie. Look, I'll go home with you and help you pack your bag. But, Frankie, that... you go down and get him a train ticket and... Wait a minute. The train ain't fast enough. We'll send him by plane. <laughs> Let's shoot him out of a cannon. <laughs> Philip, will you please listen? William, I have a minute. William, did I hear you say you got the job? Oh, here it comes. Yes, I got it, Alice. Mr. Stevenson was wonderful. He had an opening in Vancouver. Where? Vancouver. Vancouver? Vancouver? Van Johnson? <laughs> thought I'd break up the monotony. Just a moment. I'm beginning to see the light. Willie, do you mean they're sending you to Vancouver, B.C.? British Columbia? Of course not, honey. The job is in Vancouver, B.C. 
beside Cucamonga. You ought to be ashamed of yourself railroading William to Canada. Rexall isn't sending me to Canada. They're not sending you to Canada. Oh, no, Philip. No, due to your excellent recommendation, they're sending their local man to Vancouver, and I'm taking his place in the Los Angeles office. I feel faint. (laughs) I feel faint. Yeah, when Mr. Stevenson found out I was your business manager, Philip, he arranged it so I could handle both jobs. He didn't think it was fair to take me away from you. Mm -hmm. You're terrific. Because of you, Willie will still be with us. I think it's wonderful. I think it's grand. I think I'll kill myself. Phil and Alice will be back in a minute. Now, listen to an important question. Because you're a family druggist, and because I'm the mother of a family, I'd like to know why you recommend Rexall drug products. (laughs) To answer that, ma'am, I'd like to tell you a little story. Some years back, if the world's physicians and surgeons ran want ads for the thing they need, you might have seen one that read something like this. Wanted, a new adhesive formula, medicated to lessen dangerous and painful skin irritation, but still having all the stick to of regular adhesive tape. Now, there wasn't such an ad, of course, but there was such a problem. And Rexall's men of science cooperated with some of the country's leading doctors in tackling it. Today, ma'am, at every store with the orange and blue Rexall sign in the window, you can buy Rexall Pro-Cap adhesive plaster. Yes, years of careful and thorough research in Rexall's big laboratories have given to the public a tape that not only sticks better and stays put longer, but is less irritating than ordinary adhesive plaster. Now, that's just one example, but we family druggists know that every one of the 2,000 or more drug products made by the Rexall Drug Company get that same kind of patient, accurate research and testing. And that's why you recommend them to your customers. Yes, ma'am. You see, we Rexall druggists know you can depend on any drug product that bears the name Rexall. Good health to all from Rexall. Well, Frankie. Yeah. Thought we had a surefire scheme, but we certainly messed it up, didn't we? 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 We mean we. Don't be so plural. <laughs> just happens to be one thing I didn't get you into. The fact that Willie's still with us is all your fault. Well, what are you going to do now? Well, there's only one thing I can do. Frankie. Yeah. How much cement did you said we'd need? <laughs> oh, wait a minute, Curly. You said yourself that was too gruesome for Willie. It ain't for Willie. This one's for me. This program was produced and directed by Paul Phillips. Included in today's cast were Sally Creighton, John Beale, and Ollie O'Toole. The part of Frankie Remley was played by Elliot Lewis. Alice Faye appeared through the courtesy of 20th Century Fox. 
This is Bill Foreman wishing good health to all from Rexall. Sunday is fun day on NBC. Stay tuned to this station for the Edgar Berg and Charlie McCarthy show, which follows immediately. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Well, hello again. This is Buck Benny speaking. Welcome to another episode of the 1938-1939 season of the Jack Benny Show. Today, uh, Jack does another one of his takeoffs of a popular movie at the time, and that was The Crowd Roars, featuring Robert Taylor. Not to be confused with The Crowd Roars from 1932 with uh, James Cagney and Joan Blondell. Uh, the 1932 movie called The Crowd Roars um, had uh, it was a racing movie about um, a racing car driver, I believe. And uh, the one that uh, Jack's going to take on is, of course, the 1938 uh, movie of called The Crowd Roars with Robert Taylor, um, Edward Arnold, Frank Morgan, Maureen O'Sullivan, uh, William Gargan, and um, Jane Wyman's in it as well. So, great cast. It's a boxing movie, so I love it when Jack does, does uh, boxing skits because... Uh, well, just knowing Jack's character, of course, you realize that the comedy will ensue from any kind of fighting situation with Jack involved. Anyway, without further ado, enjoy uh, Jack Benny and his cast from 75 years ago this week. Um, delighted to bring these to you. Uh, thank you so much for everybody tuning in, and uh, we shall see you again tomorrow. The Jell-O Program, starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston, Phil Harris, Kenny Baker, and yours truly, Don Wilson. The orchestra opens the program with The Riddle Song. Well, it seems that nowadays, boys and girls know what's good for them and like it. For Young America magazine recently made a youth survey all over the country... And one of the questions they asked the youngsters was, name your favorite dessert. <laughs> yes, you've guessed it. Jell-O is a leading favorite with the children, a dessert they go for in a great big way. And you know that shows that they have mighty good taste, for Jell-O is a grand dessert for youngsters. It's wholesome, it's pure, it's delicious. And Jell-O looks so exciting and tastes so good. Those six bright colors give a gay party air to the plainest meal, and every youngster loves that. And those six delicious flavors are full of extra-rich fruit goodness that makes every Jell-O dessert a surefire hit with the whole family. Just be sure to get genuine Jell-O when you buy. Look for those big red letters on the box. They spell Jell-O, and Jell-O spells a treat. Ladies and gentlemen, we bring you that genial host of Beverly Hills, a man who is famous for his lavish and extravagant parties, Jock Benny. Jock, eh? Well, thank you. Hello again. This is Jack Benny, the Elsa Maxwell of Southern California talking. <laughs> 
And thanks, Don. I imagine you were referring to that blowout I gave for the gang last Sunday night. I certainly was. We had a lot of fun that night. What a spread I put on. Did you enjoy yourself, Don? Oh, we sure did, Jack. We all had a marvelous time. Hey, Phil, wasn't that a great party? Boy, that was a party with a capital P U. <laughs> Phil, I might have known you wouldn't like it. What do you expect at a party anyway? Well, for one thing, I expect to eat. Eat? Brother, you handed out that food like it was radium. <laughs> now, now, wait a minute, Phil. There might have been a slight delay, but you finally got a meal, didn't you? Yeah, hot dogs and root beer. Well. I went to bed that night and dreamt that Dracula and Frankenstein were shooting pool. <laughs> Shooting pool? My goodness. Not only that, I was the eight ball. <laughs> well, hit me on the head and sink my bridge work. <laughs> well, I, you know, I wasn't going to admit it, fellas. No, really, I wasn't going to admit it, but those hot dogs got me, too. Boy, what I went through. What happened, Jack? Did you have a nightmare? I think so. I was never a totem pole before. <laughs> I got so excited, I punctured my hot water bag. <laughs> well, you should have known better than to serve that kind of food late at night. All right, Harris, I'll make a note of that. And incidentally, that's the last time you will ever be invited to my house. You couldn't get me in that dump again with a subpoena. <laughs> well, don't worry your pretty little head about that. You're just jealous because I made such a hit with that girl you brought to the party. You mean Barbara? Yes, Barbara. You didn't get any closer to her than War Admiral did to Seabiscuit. <laughs> Oh, yeah? Well, when she went out the door, I was only two lengths behind her and moving up fast. <laughs> hmm, so don't give me that. Oh, hello, Mary. Hello, fellas. What are you talking about? Oh, Wilson was just telling me what a marvelous time he had at my party last Sunday night. Don? Yeah. Oh, that guy has a good time just lacing his shoes. <laughs> he hasn't seen them in ten years. <laughs> But Mary, now, really, Mary, don't, now, wait a minute, don't tell me you didn't enjoy yourself at my party. Well, I had a swell time, Jack, but gee, those hot dogs and root beer, gosh, what a horrible dream I had. Oh, you too, huh? Yeah, I dreamt that Clark Gable was chasing me up the Empire State Building. Clark Gable? What's horrible about that? He didn't catch me. <laughs> oh, that's too bad. I'm going to eat ice cream and pickles tonight and give him another chance. <laughs> That's right, Mary. Never say die. But I'm sorry the food I served my party upset you. That's really a shame. There ought to be a law against you entertaining. Oh, there should, eh? You see, Mary Phil is burnt up because his girl Barbara was hanging around me all the time. Did you notice the way she kept looking at me all evening? Yeah, Phil told her you had a glass eye. <laughs> oh, so that's why she asked me to cry. <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> Well, just the same, before the party was over, she got to like me, and that's why Phil is so mad. I'm not mad. I just think that affair you had was a washout, that's all. Is that so? You know, Mary, Phil doesn't think a party's a success unless all the guests go home in a patrol wagon. <laughs> now, wait a minute, Jack. I've met some of the finest people in the world in patrol wagons. Yeah, I can imagine. That's where you signed me up, remember? <laughs> well, I was there by accident. I thought it was a sightseeing bus. <laughs> A sightseeing bus? Then why did you have your lawyer with you? Because he's never seen Chinatown and shut up. <laughs> Gosh. 
She alibi everything. But you know what hurts me, fellas? It's the first time any of you have ever been in my new home and you haven't said one word about it. Well, Jack, I meant to tell you all about that. I think your house is simply exquisite. Thanks, Don. Gee, I love that big fireplace in the library. Isn't it cozy? Oh, it's just ducky. Oh. But, Jack, I saw a cement mixer in your kitchen. Now, what's that for? <laughs> that cement mixer? Yeah. Jack makes his own grape nuts. <laughs> I do not. That cement mixer just happens to be an antique. But you know what kills me? You didn't notice the nice things I have in my house. What about that lovely, thick oriental rug I've got? You mean the one in the living room? Yes. I got a Palm Beach suit that's thicker than that. <laughs> oh, you have, Mr. Smarty. Well, I like the rug, and it's plenty thick. Go on. I saw a bug in it with an overcoat on. All right. Keep it up. Keep it up, Mary. How anybody can run down by rugs and wear hats like you do is beyond me. One you got on now looks like a bird's eye view of Lake Tahoe. <laughs> if I had a hat like that, I'd wear a veil, too. No kidding. That's funny. You're the only one that gets it. Well. <laughs> well, that's the silliest thing I ever saw. Yeah, that's what I say. Oh, hello, Kenny. Hello, I didn't see you come in. Where were you? Oh, I was out in the hall whistling at the girls. Whistling? Now, Kenny, you shouldn't do that. I know. A dog came up and bit me. Oh. Well, that'll teach you a lesson. Say, Kenny, did you have a good time at my party the other night? Oh, I had a swell time, Jack. But, wow, those hot dogs, what they did to me. Oh, now, don't tell me you had a nightmare, too. Did I? You know what, Jack? I went to bed and dreamt I was president of the United States. Oh, so you were president, eh? Yeah. Boy, was the country in a mess when I woke up. <laughs> well, I can imagine. Well, well, President Baker. What a dream. Who was vice president? Maxie Rosenblum. <laughs> oh, quite an administration there. Well, for the sake of our country, I'm glad you woke up. <laughs> Say, Kenny, getting back to the party, though, that was the first time you saw my new house, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Gee, it's beautiful, Jack. And those paintings in your living room are the last words. Oh, they are masterpieces, every one of them. Oh, I like the picture of the girl's head that hangs over the fireplace. Oh, you mean the Mona Lisa? Yeah. Mona Lisa? Why, Jack, the Mona Lisa has a smile on her face. And the girl in your picture's frowning. Frowning? Yeah. Darn that Rochester. I told him he was hanging it upside down. <laughs> He knows absolutely nothing about art. Say, Jack, tell him what he did with your painting of Napoleon. Yeah. What was it, Jack? Oh, he hung the picture sideways, and Napoleon's hand kept falling out of his vest. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll have things straightened out pretty soon. Hey, Kenny, it's about time for your song. What's it going to be tonight? I'm going to sing If I Loved You More, and I dedicate it to Oscar, my pet rabbit. Gee, what a thoughtful kid. Sing, Kenny. Are you listening, Bill? I mean, Oscar? Love 
boju. I can't begin to tell you how much I care for you. Words are all in vain. Oh, how can I explain? If I loved you more, I'd need another heart I have is filled with love for you. If I loved you more, I'd need a longer day, a day that lasted weeks might do. If I could crawl another dream, you more sung by Kenny Baker and Kenny I could tell that came right from the heart I'm sure Oscar your pet rabbit enjoyed it very much he better or I'll eat him <laughs> oh I wouldn't do that kid no. <laughs> and now and now ladies and gentlemen as our play this evening is quite long without further ado I will announce our feature attraction tonight we will add another brick in our monument to theatrical history we are going to present our version of MGM's sensational story of pugilistic triumph and nerve-tingling suspense, The Crowd Roars. <laughs> Thank you. Now, I will play the part as portrayed on the screen by Robert Taylor, that of a prize fighter who battles his way to the top, fighting and knocking out the toughest men the ring has ever known. <laughs> Mary, I want him to believe this. Please. Now, Mary will play the part of Sheila, my sweetheart, as portrayed on the screen by Maureen O'Sullivan. Why don't you get her and leave me alone? Well, if you want to know something, prima donna, I came darn near getting Maureen O'Sullivan. Well, why didn't you? Well, unfortunately, she thinks I'm repulsive. <laughs> now, let's see. Oh, yeah, Don Wilson will be the fight announcer, and Phil... Harry. Oh, Phil, you're going to be in the play, too. Well, that's better than listening to it. <laughs> Phil, that little remark may cause you to listen to this program next year if you're in touch with it at all. <laughs> Do I make myself clear? <laughs> now, let's see. Uh, Phil is going to be my manager. Don is the fight well, announcer. Well, say, Jack, I think it would be much better if I were your trainer instead of your fight announcer. You want to be my trainer, Don? Yes. Why, said he, little knowing what was lurking in the shadows ahead. 
Why, Doc? Because with every meal, I'd see that you got a dish of tempting, delicious jello. You'd start out with strawberry and have a different flavor each day of the week. Oh, goody. But, Don, there are seven days of the week and only six flavors. What would I have on Sunday, pray tell? On Sunday, you could go back to strawberry with sliced bananas as a double feature. Eureka! I knew you'd come through. <laughs> Now, let me see. Where was I before I fell into this trap? Oh, yes. Uh, now, this play of the Fistic Arena will go on immediately after the next number. Go ahead, Phil. Oh, hold it a minute. Come in. Mr. Benny? Yes? I wish you wouldn't be a prize fighter. Why not? Look what happened to me. <laughs> how he got that way. Play, Phil! was F.D.R. Jones, played by Phil Harrison as orchestra. And now, folks, as time is getting short, we will proceed with our play, that epic of the prize ring, The Crowd Roars, or Button, Button, Who Hit Me on the Button? <laughs> Take it, Don. The scene is the home of the Bennies in the thriving little town of Waukegan, Illinois, many years ago. As the curtain rises, we find Master Benny, a child of six, Busy in the library. Curtain? <laughs> oh, darn it. Oh, Daddy. Daddy. What is it, Stinky? <laughs> Daddy, can I go out with the other kids? Not until you finish your lesson. Say, what's that tune you was playing? Schubert's Unfinished Symphony, and I'm not surprised. <laughs> hey, neither am I. Say, Daddy, why do I have to keep practicing? I don't want to be a violinist. I want to be a prize fighter. Prize fighter? Why, son, you couldn't lick a popsicle. 
I could, too. Now get going with your lessons. I don't want to hear another word out of you. Oh, all right. Hey, wait till I get out of here. <laughs> I wish I could go, too. Oh, well, I won't listen. Five years later, and Master Benny is now 11 years old. Oh, there I go again. Hey, son, ain't that the same tune you've been playing for five years? Yeah. Wish the teacher would show you how to turn over the page. <laughs> well, I don't want to be a violinist. I want to be a prize fighter. I only yesterday I beat up that Stewart kid that lives across the street. You mean Jimmy Stewart? No, Gloria. <laughs> she won't forget me in a hurry. Well, stop bragging go on with your lessons. Okay, but one of these days, I'm going to be the champion of the world, Dad. And you'll be proud of me. I'd be proud of if you knew how to eat with a fork. <laughs> I'll show him. Wait and see. Ten years later. Fifteen years later. I give up. Well, I could do better, but I'm playing with boxing gloves on. Anyway, I'm through with this. I'm going to New York and make a name for myself. I'm a champion and the world's going to know about it. So long, Dad. I'm packing up. Don't forget your toupee. <laughs> I got it on my chest. I'm a he-man now. So long, Pop. Good luck, son. and Jack Benny has made rapid strides as a prize fighter. After a series of sensational knockouts, he is now known as Killer Benny. That's me, folks, a tiger if there ever was one. We now take you to the killer's training camp where he is working out with his manager, Curly Harris. Ouch. Hey, Curly, what do you want, Killer? I wish you'd get me a new punching bag. This one keeps punching me back. <laughs> Never mind, Dad. Did you do your old work this morning? No, I couldn't find my broom. <laughs> Now, look, Carly, what is my next bout? I haven't had a fight in two days. I'm working on it, killer. I got a guy in mind for you, but he ain't out of the hospital yet. Well, prop him up. I'm raring to go. <laughs> I'll get you a fight pretty soon, but I'm warning you, killer. You better start saving your dough. Why, you throw away your money like Diamond Jim Brady. I don't throw away my money. I know that, but this happens to be the play. <laughs> But gee whiz, I like a little fun once in a while. Okay, killer, but if you want to be a champion, you better stop running around with women. Okay. Now remember that, women are poison. I got you, chief. No women. Right. See you later. So long. Now what'll I do? I guess I'll skip rope a little while. One, two, butt Michelle. Three, four, shut the door. Five, six, the up ten. Hello, can I come in? Are you a woman? Yes. Now get out of here, you're poison. What? Oh, I'm sorry, Sheila. Yeah, I didn't know it was you. Well, don't holler at me like that or I'll take my tights back. <laughs> well, I said I was sorry. I'm nervous, Sheila. I want to fight. Well, how are you shaping up, killer? Fine. Look at these arms. They're like steel. Yeah, what are those bumps on them? Rivets. <laughs> You're looking at the next champ, Sheila. Get these muscles. Look at his physique. I've seen better physiques on parsnips. <laughs> Gee, don't you love me anymore, Sheila? I love you, killer, but you're getting slap happy from all this fighting. Nah. Walking around on your heels. On my heels? Yeah, you look like Corrigan doing a toe dance. 
<laughs> well, don't worry, Sheila. If it'll make you any happier, my next fight will be my last. Who's that? That's Harris, my manager. I don't want him to see you. I'm in strict training. Well, what'll I do? Here, hide behind the beer barrel. <laughs> okay. Hey, killer, killer, have I got news for you. What is it, Coily? At last, your big chance has come. I just arranged a match between you and the champion of California. The champion of California? Who's that? Kenny Baker, the Glendale assassin. <laughs> oh, Kid Baker, eh? Say, I heard about him. He's plenty tough. When am I fighting Baker? As soon as we can catch him. Oh. Now, listen, Chief, why don't you give me a real fighter like Joe Lewis? I'm dying to meet him. You're fighting him next. That's the stuff. What? <laughs> oh, well, you can't take it with you. <laughs> but don't worry, Chief, because you're looking at the next champ right now. That's the spirit. So long, killer. So long. Goodbye, Sheila. Goodbye. Well, it certainly fooled him up to the last line. Oh, Killer. Killer, you're not really going through with this, are you? Sure I am, Sheila. Darling, you don't know what you're doing. Why, Kid Baker's dynamite. He'll cut you to ribbons. He'll mangle you. Who, me? <laughs> he may be tough, Sheila. But I'll make enough dough out of this fight to retire. And when we do, you're going to be Mrs. Killer Benny. Two months later, the scene is Madison Square Garden in New York City. The place is jammed with people, and the main event is about to begin. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the main event. In this corner, in black tights, we have the champion, Kit Baker, the Glendale Assassin. And in this corner, in cerise tights, we have the challenger, Killer Benny, the Waukegan Wildcat. Hooray! Thanks, Sheila. The weight, Killer Benny, 186 pounds. Kit Baker, 93 and a quarter. Gosh. Correction, 93 and a half. A lot of good that's going to do me. How do you feel, Killer? Okay, where's my glasses? I can't see a thing without them. Here they are. Thanks. Good evening, folks. This is Clem Wilson talking from the ringside of Madison Square Garden. The referee is now calling the contestants at the center of the ring for their final instructions. Now, listen, boys. You're both in here to do the best you can. Yeah. Now, I want this to be a nice, clean fight. And when I tell you to sign a father said, I want you to send a rave of soda, Master Spanner. <laughs> no, I don't want any kind of soda, Ray. No. No coming up with soda. No, no. Just no. rave of soda. Yeah. <laughs> you understand? What? You understand? No. I do. Good. Now go to your corners, boys, and when the bell rings, come out, sir, and this is what Okay. Well, good luck, Baker. You're going to need it. Oh, yeah? I'll knock that toupee right off your chest. Well, it's gray, so have a little respect. And remember one thing, Baker. You're talking to the Waukegan Wildcat. Oh, I am, eh? Well, you're talking to the Glendale Narcissus. That's assassin. Yeah. All right, boys. Go to your corners. There's the bell, folks, and the fight is on. The boys meet in the center of the ring. Hello, Kenny. Hello, Jack. Benny leads with the right to the chin, and Baker counters with the left to the jaw. Ouch. Pardon my glove. Benny takes him with a smile. He tries an uppercut, but misses. Baker comes back with an undercut, which falls short. Benny comes back with a New York cut, which Baker snaps at. What a fight, folks. What a fight. Come on, Killer. Knock him cold. What's the matter with you? Sheila, stop talking. Sheila stops talking, and Benny rushes Baker. 
Baker comes back with a right to the chin. A left. Ooh. A right. Ooh. A left. Ooh. A right. Ooh. A left. Ooh. A right. Ooh. Then he's down. A, a one. A two. A three. A four. Then he's up. A right. Ooh. A left. Ooh. A right. Ooh. A left. Ooh. Then he's down. What am I, an elevator? A one, a two, a three, a four, a tundin, a satchat, a rilgin, a bundin, a satat, a tss, and ten. Then he's out, and Kid Baker is still champion! Oh, Killer, Killer, say something. Speak to me, speak to me. <laughs> I sure gave it to that Benny, didn't I? You're Benny. Oh, for heaven's sake. <laughs> Two years later, Killer Benny has retired from the ring, married his sweetheart Sheila, and settled down on a little farm in the country. Let's drop in on them. Oh, Killer, Killer. What is it, honey? Uh, call the hogs, will you? Okay. One of the oldest sayings I know is still as true as ever. Variety is the spice of life. And there's a grand new dessert to add variety to your meals. It's the new Jell-O vanilla pudding, a creamy, smooth pudding dessert that's simply swell. It's so tempting to look at with a beautiful color and a real satiny texture. And it's so good to eat with a rich, full flavor. For Jell-O vanilla pudding is made from real vanilla, no artificial flavoring. Then try the new Jell-O butterscotch pudding that's mellow with real old-fashioned butterscotch flavor. And to try Jell-O chocolate pudding, smooth and rich and chocolatey, a prime favorite made a new and better way. For all three new Jell-O puddings are amazingly quick and easy to prepare. You'll find the simple directions on every package. And uh, you get puddings that have that old-time homemade goodness, made with the same fine ingredients you'd use yourself right in your own kitchen. They're delicious served either hot or cold. Served plain or garnished with nuts and whipped cream. Get acquainted with these three new delicious desserts. The best way is to buy three packages at a time. So ask your grocer tomorrow for Jell-O vanilla, butterscotch, and chocolate pudding. the last number of the sixth program of the new Jell-O series, and we'll be with you again next Sunday night at the same time. I hope you all liked our little play tonight, The Crowd Roars. Gee, Jack, I think you played your part well. You were so natural and convincing. You look so cute in your tights. Oh, Mary, this is only a play on the radio. I'm not wearing tights. Oh, no, take a look. Oh, darn it, my suspenders broke again. <laughs> Good night, folks. Give me a pin, Mary. <laughs> The tune FDR Jones is from Sing Out the News. Kenny Baker appears on the Jell-O program for courtesy of Marvin Leroy Productions. This is the National Broadcasting Company.